Welcome to episode 116 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about September 2020. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, political sloganeering, Kamala Harris, state secession, or George Floyd comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Bitshoot.com, Brighteon.com, and ThinkSpot. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com. There is a consistent theme throughout this episode, that being most of these stories were covered up, breezed over, or totally ignored by most mainstream media outlets. If you get your news from one of the Alphabet Soup news outlets, you likely have not heard about many of these stories. The month started out with Democrat Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi demonstrating how the elite National Democrats think about all of us little people. That is, the rules apply to us, not them. Pelosi ignored local coronavirus restrictions despite publicly touting the importance of adhering to such rules and went to a San Francisco hair salon. Then when the videotape of her visit was released, she refused to take responsibility for her actions, stating that she was set up by the salon owner. Quote, I take responsibility for trusting the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times, and that when they said we're able to accommodate people one person at a time, and that we could set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. I mean, is there a more detestable person on God's green earth than Nancy Pelosi? Okay, well, maybe Hillary Clinton, but you simply can't make this shit up. This is just another one of the many stories of Democrat politicians demonstrating, do what I say, not as I do, or it is for thee, but not for me. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney was compelled to publicly apologize after he was busted, sneaking over to Maryland to enjoy dinner at a restaurant over a weekend several months ago. See, indoor dining was forbidden in Kenney's own city, under orders imposed by him. Remember back in March, Communist Mayor of New York Bill de Blasio defended his decision to go to the gym during the pandemic while other New Yorkers were forbidden to do so? Or how about back in May when Democratic Governor Michelle Grisham found herself on the defensive when an Albuquerque news outlet accused the governor of breaking her own rules by purchasing jewelry from a store while all other non-essential businesses were closed? And don't forget the mayor of the murder capital of the United States, Chicago's Lori Lightfoot, who, while all hair salons and gyms and many other businesses were shut down, had a private visit from a local stylist. And she explained her actions as justified because, after all, quote, I'm the public face of this city. I'm on national media, and I'm out in the public eye, end quote. The mainstream press buried all of these stories because they cannot afford to allow the Democratic Party, no matter where it may be, to be shown in a desperate light. Hypocrisy and disdain for their own constituents is a feature of the modern National Democratic Party and apparently not worthy of media coverage. The NFL committed corporate suicide in September 2020 as they fell fully in bed with social justice warriors. 
just like the NBA, by allowing players to put the names of so-called causes and victims on the backs of their helmets and plastering various social justice and racial messages all over the fields, pre- and post-game shows, and equipment of the players and coaches. Over the years, the NFL has rejected teams and or players from honoring the likes of God, social causes such as mental health, cancer, domestic violence, murdered cops, Jesus, the memory of 9-11. But they will allow demonstrations of disrespect for our national flag, our national anthem, for America, and for the American people, their customers. I published the following on Facebook during the month. I called it Corporate Suicide NFL Edition. No Tim Tebow's kneeling. No Tim Tebow's John 316 eye black patch. No Brandon Marshall's green cleats. No RG3's No Jesus No Peace t-shirt. No D'Angelo Williams' Find a Cure eye black patch. No William Gay's purple cleats. No Dallas Cowboy helmet decal to honor five Dallas police officers killed in the line of duty. National Anthem kneeling circa 2016? Hey man, this is America. We have freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Fast forward to the 2020-2021 season, the league will snuff out any vestiges of life it has left by driving away the few remaining fans with a season full of virtue signaling woke field and helmet decals and countless public service messages based on the premise that America is systemically racist. Another story that the mainstream media conveniently ignored was the fact that during the month, President Trump was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Twice. See, his administration negotiated actual peace treaties between Israel and the UAE and between Serbia and Kosovo. Contrast this to the mainstream media's glowing, fawning coverage of Obama's Nobel Peace Prize award less than eight months after taking office. His peace-related accomplishments? There weren't any. Speaking of President Trump and peace, he announced in September that he was withdrawing 2,200 troops from Iraq, leaving only 3,000. At the end of the day, maybe we'll see Trump nominated for a third Nobel Peace Prize. There was an attempted assassination on two Los Angeles police officers sitting in a parked police car in Compton, California. According to the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, a group of protesters blocked the entrance of the ER at the hospital, shouting, We hope they die! Congratulations to the National Democratic Party, USA. You have successfully stirred the pot to such an extent that those who are already afflicted with mild mental illness are now emboldened to attempt to execute police officers anywhere they come across them. Well done, Nancy and Kamala and Joe and Adam and Chuck. Well done, all you sycophant, psychotic media members. Rachel, Al, Chris, and Noah. Mission accomplished, guys. Your worship at the altar of political power has devolved, or maybe better put, evolved, into the sacrifice of innocent people at that very altar. Associate Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also known as the notorious RBG, and the longest-serving female justice, died in September. The Democrats went nuts as they do basically on a daily basis, when Trump and the Republican majority in the Senate decided to move forward with her replacement ahead of the election. We had threats of impeachment. We had protests outside the homes of Senators McConnell and Lindsey Graham. The thugocracy continues. Mainstream Democrats are cowards for not speaking out against riots and thugs. 
If you want to learn more about RBG, check out episode 115. Speaking of RBG, President Trump nominated Amy Coney Barrett to the court. She is the mother of seven, two are adopted from Haiti, and a devout Catholic. She is a self-described constitutional originalist, arguing that a judge should not depart from the meaning of the language used by the founders in the Constitution, and she clerked for a year for Antonin Scalia. For all those reasons and more, she will be savaged by the Democrats. In my opinion, Mitch McConnell should simply call an up or down floor vote on her nomination. No hearings are necessary, especially given the behavior of the Democrats during the Kavanaugh circus. Plus, Barrett was vetted already a few years ago when she was placed in her current position. Considering that we are in the middle of a presidential election year, the month was quite unremarkable. Trump held several of his trademark rallies, mostly in outdoor airport hangars, while Biden pretty much remained sequestered in his basement, only occasionally appearing where he literally read answers to questions from a teleprompter. A few of his campaign events were shut down abruptly for unknown reasons, and he was unavailable to the press nine full days in September. Which is understandable given the news that came out about his obvious corruption during his eight years as VP and his son Hunter. More on that in a minute. When I say the month was unremarkable, that was only true until the 29th day of the month when the first presidential debate was held. Shit show is the best way to describe it, from the moderator Chris Wallace to the two debaters for different reasons. Here's a quick breakdown. The moderator Chris Wallace sucked. He does not like Trump, and it was very obvious from his questions and his tone and his argumentativeness. Trump's overaggressiveness and constant interrupting kept him from allowing Biden to hang himself. He left no room for awkward silence after many of Biden's sloppy responses. Biden performed poorly. He appears to be an empty shell that simply repeats a bunch of numbers, platitudes, and lies. Trump constantly interrupted Biden the entire night. The substance of Trump's comments was reasonably consistent with his overall message, but no one will remember the substance, just his obnoxiousness. Biden, on the other hand, spent the night lying, refusing to answer difficult questions, and throwing Bernie Sanders and the rest of his left-wing supporters under the bus. So, first, Biden. He lied about allegations against his son Hunter, saying, quote, They've been resolved. He lied by claiming that Trump and Trump alone is responsible for COVID deaths in America, which is weird because the virus originated in China and Trump shut down the economy. Biden lied by claiming the riots in Portland were Trump's fault, which is weird considering all of the groups doing it were left-wing and the city is run by Democrats. He lied by saying Trump caused the recession. He lied by claiming the economy he and Barack handed to Trump was healthy. Wow, 2% growth. That's really healthy. Weird. Then Trump cuts taxes and regulations and the economy took off. He lied when he said that there is no fraud related to mail-in ballots. There's basically a news story every day on the subject from different parts of the country. Biden refused to answer questions about supporting the ending of the filibuster in the Senate and packing the Supreme Court. He refused to answer the question from Trump about naming a single law enforcement group that has endorsed him. And he refused to answer questions about his family's corruption. Biden dissed Bernie Sanders and the radical left five times. First, he said he did not support the Green New Deal. Then, when discussing Medicare for All and socialized medicine, he did not toe the party line and declare private insurance dead. Then he added, quote, the party is me. Right now, I am the Democratic Party, end quote. Which is weird because most of the proposals that he has on his website say Biden-Sanders. Look it up. It's right there. 
He threw his radical supporters under the bus by saying he was totally opposed to defunding the police, and he said violence should be prosecuted. Wow, Joe, why didn't you come out five months ago and say that? You're so brave. And finally, he, dis he disavowed socialism generally and Bernie Sanders specifically. Chris Wallace purposely jumped in and protected Biden from Trump at least twice. The first time was when Biden said, Antifa is an idea, not an organization. As Trump said in a rally the day after the debate, quote, ideas don't assault cops and burn down buildings, end quote. And I would add, ideas are not designated domestic terrorist organizations. Wallace also jumped in and protected Biden when Trump continued to badger Biden to name one law enforcement group that has endorsed him, as I mentioned a minute ago. Other highlights include Biden's claims that there is systemic injustices in this country in education, law enforcement, and work. No specifics given, of course. Biden also stated that he would raise taxes on the middle class. He called Trump a racist, a clown, told him to shut up, and then a few minutes later told him to keep yapping, man. Wallace did ask Biden if he had called the Portland mayor and encouraged them to put down the protest. Biden said, no man, I'm not an elected official, that's not my place. Might have something to do with the fact that he wouldn't dare do something as brave as that. It would piss off his radical supporters. Wallace forced Trump to condemn white supremacy, but did not even mention BLM or violence from the left-wing mobs to Biden. Wallace harassed Trump about climate change with four or five questions. He also interrupted Trump over 70 times, only interrupting Biden 15, although I'd have to say Trump deserved it. Trump spent a good portion of the, of the debate debating both Wallace and Biden. That was pretty humorous. And finally, Biden repeatedly told Trump to get out of his bunker. This coming from a man who hides in his basement and puts a lid on his campaign on a regular basis at 9 a.m. Meanwhile, Trump is conducting rallies and or press events every single day. How Trump missed an opportunity to knock Biden out on this, I have no idea. What a hanging curveball that was. And yet another in the long list of stories adverse to Obama, Hillary, the Democrats, that is ignored by the mainstream media, FBI whistleblower Agent John Robertson, the man who found Hillary Clinton's emails on the laptop of former disgraced Democratic congressman, husband of longtime Clinton aide Huma Albedin, Anthony Weiner, claimed that he was advised by bosses to erase his own computer that contained his investigation into Weiner's laptop. Former FBI Director James Comey, as you may recall, announced days before the 2016 presidential election that he had learned of the existence of the emails of Wiener's laptop. Robertson alleges that the manner in which his higher-ups in the FBI handled the case was, quote, not ethically or morally right, end quote. His claims are made in a book titled October Surprise, How the FBI Tried to Save Itself and Crash an Election. Then we have the long-awaited Senate report on Hunter Biden's financial dealings with Ukrainian, Chinese, and Russian businesses. According to the report, these dealings created potential criminal, financial, counterintelligence, and extortion concerns, and alarmed U.S. officials who perceived an ethical conflict of interest and flagged potential crimes ranging from sex trafficking to bribery. No wonder Biden was evading questions about Hunter during the debate. Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee Chairman Ron Johnson said the sheer volume of potentially illegal activity in Hunter Biden's foreign dealings left Joe Biden vulnerable to illicit influence or extortion. Don't worry, folks. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. The report indicates Joe enabled his family to enrich themselves abroad while he was vice president, 
In fact, Hunter received $3.5 million from one of Russia's most powerful oligarchs in 2014. And he paid a woman linked to prostitution and human trafficking. And he's got links to Chinese corporations. Don't worry, guys. Joe, Joe is Joe. He's harmless. So are you aware of this story? If you get your news from any of the Alphabet Soup sources, the answer is probably no. See, they don't report news. They report news slanted to their political views, which does not include telling the truth about prominent Democrats' corruption. And of course, there are no indictments of Hunter or Joe. There won't be any prosecutions. So should we really give a shit if the establishment is not going to send other members of their team to prison? As I mentioned in episode 112, the truth about August 2020, and in episode 104, the truth about vote by mail, the Democrats are working hard to steal the election from Trump. They have been advocating for a vote by mail for months, of course, due to the COVID-19. Now, keep in mind, this is not absentee ballots. This is send out thousands or millions of ballots, depending on the jurisdiction. These ballots are, of course, susceptible to harvesting and fraud. During the month of September, we had stories from Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin where courts have started to get involved, changing state laws by allowing ballots received after Election Day and or without a postmark or signature to be counted. North Carolina courts declared that absentee ballots with issues associated with them can be corrected by the voter within five days of Election Day. There are stories of mail-in ballot problems virtually on a daily basis, yet the national media is setting the American people up for a tumultuous month of November. It looks like Trump will win big on Election Day, and we will be subjected to five to eight weeks of court battles as the Democrats try to find Biden ballots after the election to bridge the gap in vote counts in particular states. Remember, the Biden campaign announced several months ago that they had retained over 600 attorneys in order to deal with election night voter suppression issues. It's going to be real ugly, folks. Speaking of voter fraud, and speaking of a story that the mainstream media refuses to cover, how about Project Veritas's latest expose? That of voter fraud with mail-in ballots. But this time it's in the despicable Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's district. A local Somali community leader said on video, quote, Nobody would say that Ilhan Omar isn't part of this, unless you're from a different planet. But if you live in this universe, I think everyone knows it, end quote. From the mainstream press's position, that is two topics that they cannot touch. Ilan Omar and voter fraud. In ironies of all ironies, the Minneapolis Police Department, you know, the one that was defunded by the city council following the death of George Floyd, well, they announced that they would be investigating allegations of vote harvesting by supporters of, of Ilhan Omar following the Project Veritas expose. Don't hold your breath for any prosecutions. Just another story about Democrat corruption that will go unpunished. Twitter declared that tweets calling for the burning down of Louisville, Kentucky did not violate their rules. This following the release of the grand jury's decision not to bring murder charges against the officers in the Breonna Taylor shooting. Apparently, the platform has a high tolerance for tweets promoting domestic terrorism. But, on the other hand, on a seemingly regular basis, they have no tolerance for Trump's supposedly hateful tweets. And of course, as is the way of these professional rioters, they did indeed bring their party to Louisville following the grand jury's decision and rioted, looted, and burned. Let's end this episode with two more stories from September that were ignored by the mainstream media. Turns out the only Russian collusion that was going on in 2016 was with Hillary, the FBI, and the Democratic Party. 
See, we now have seen the evidence that they colluded with a known Russian spy in order to frame Trump for Russian collusion. I mean, you can't make this shit up. Anytime a national Democrat accuses someone of something, you can be assured that they are doing that very thing. Here's a brief summary. Remember the Steele dossier that was used to open the investigation into Trump-Russia collusion, which led to the Mueller investigation, which led to the arrest, persecution, and prosecution of Trump associates, which led to the impeachment of Trump? Remember all that? Remember how the mainstream media and nasty, lying, liberal talking heads and Democratic operatives spent more than two and a half years telling us over and over again how Trump was a Putin puppet? Remember John Brennan, James Comey, and James Clapper, prominent members of federal law enforcement and the spy community, all repeatedly saying the same? Turns out, they were the ones who colluded with Russia. As we now know, Steele's subsource for his infamous dossier was a known Russian spy that the FBI had been investigating for years. The FBI knew its anti-Trump investigation was based entirely on Russian disinformation. Brennan and Comey were personally warned. They responded by fabricating evidence and defrauding the courts. Text messages between FBI agents make it clear that they knew the massive corruption of the Obama-Biden administration with, quote, abusive, intentional, lawless actions, end quote. One agent admits that, quote, Trump was right, end quote, when he tweeted that the FBI was delaying his briefings as incoming president so they could cook up evidence against him. Another agent texted, quote, I'm telling you, man, if this thing ever got FOIA'd, Freedom of Information Act, there is going to be some tough questions asked, end quote. We found out that agents who worked on Mueller's team joked about wiping their cell phones clean. Former FBI Director Andrew McCabe, who was fired from the FBI by former Attorney General Jeff Sessions for lying to the Inspector General on multiple occasions, has been under investigation by Special Prosecutor John Durham. According to a source with knowledge of Durham's investigation, quote, McCabe and others were suppressing information, misrepresenting it, or lying about the information that they had in order to purposely undermine the Trump candidacy, and that turned into the predication for undermining the Trump presidency, end quote. What's worse... We found out that the entire Russia collusion, Trump is a Russian asset, was hatched by, drumroll please, Hillary Clinton. So said the Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, as he declassified intelligence reports. The plot was created in July of 2016 to frame then-candidate Donald Trump for Russian hacking. Unfortunately for those of you who get your news from the various Alphabet Soup news sources, you probably have no idea any of this has been uncovered. Many of you don't care because it's your team that was behind it all. And plus, Trump is a terrible, terrible person, as are millions of people who support him. But what is most unfortunate is the fact that the country, which was founded as a nation of laws rather than a nation of men, is no longer that. We have a dual justice system whereby the Republicans get canceled, investigated, indicted, arrested, and impeached for shit that they did not even do based on fabricated evidence, and Democrats who actually break the law, commit perjury, and repeatedly lie to the American people walk away scot-free. I blame the National Republicans for this because they are infused with a bunch of apathetic, fat and happy establishment types who see no reason to upset the apple cart and make waves. It's a pretty sad state of affairs. And that's the truth about September 2020. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquest podcast.